0: Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of the All of You Whole podcast, hosted by me, Caroline Fossil, entrepreneur, wellness expert, author, and speaker. My goal is to help you build a healthy, connected, and intentional life that fulfills your greatest purpose. Go ahead and hit that pause button and then the plus button to subscribe to this show so you get more impactful content each and every week. We would also love it if you would leave a five-star rating and review. This helps people you and I don't even know find the show. And lastly, please share an episode you love with whoever you can. Sharing is caring, and that's how we continue to grow. And as always, I am forever grateful for your support. Today on the show, we get to chat with one of my favorite people of all time, my friend Jenna Winship. Jenna and I met when we were both living in Atlanta, and she and her family just so quickly became some of our very favorite people. They are so near and dear to our hearts. They live in Alaska, which is so fun, and they've been there for six years. We are actually finally going to visit them in August, so I'm so thrilled about that. And Jenna is so great. She is a children's book author. And so today on the show, we're going to talk about how she used some of the struggles in her own life, some of the health challenges and mental health challenges that she had to create children's books that are not just for children, honestly. They are absolutely for adults too. And so we're gonna talk about how you can replace lies that maybe you've been told or maybe you are just thinking about yourself with truth, how to really complete that process from start to finish, and then how to use that process with your children. Today is such a special episode, and I hope that you will head to her website, jwinship.com, to get her books. Millie and the Warm Wind, which is her first book, Clayton's Wings, and you can pre-order Penelope's Wildflowers. I have already gotten to read it and it is fabulous. Okay. So without further ado, let's chat with Jenna. Welcome to the show, Jenna. I'm so thrilled to have you here and honestly, so thrilled to just hang out with you for a bit. I know it's so fun. Yes. Okay. So first for listeners who don't know you already, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: So I currently live in Alaska. It's probably the most exciting thing about me. I have three kids, my husband and our two girls. And I moved here six years ago from Atlanta. So it was a big change. And then we had our third kid five years ago. So yeah, we live out in Alaska with the moose and the bears, just how everyone pictures it. I homeschool sometimes. My kids bounce back and forth. <laughs> Yeah. between schools, which is a whole other conversation in and of yeah. itself. And I write and illustrate kids books, which is sort of an accidental career. I don't even know if you would call it a career, but an accidental hobby turned career that I stumbled into a few years ago. And yeah, I never saw myself being a writer or an illustrator. Okay, By whatever. Far, that's the most surprising.
0: <laughs> okay, wait. But I feel like when we knew each other in Atlanta, it was like, Jenna's a writer. No, I feel like you were always just so creative that I, I like, this was it not took, a thing. It took to me. me
1: years to accept the label of creative. I never felt accepted as like a creative or even after I published my first book, I was like, Oh, no, I'm not a creative. That's a whole different genre of people. And then (laughs) so for my first few books, I didn't illustrate myself, I hired illustrators. And then with my most recent one that is going to be coming out soon, I did illustrate it. And I felt like a fraud the whole time. I was like, I'm not an illustrator. This is not me. I had to learn everything. And even still, I'm like, I'm not a real illustrator.
0: Oh, whatever. (laughs) Okay. That is just imposter syndrome. You are. I feel (laughs) like your recent book, Penelope's Wildflowers, is my favorite illustrations so far.
1: I do love them. It took a while to get to accept that I do love them. And that's part of why I illustrated it is because I'm so critical of the artwork matching the story mm. and being this like visual representation. The thing that I hate probably the most in the world is kids books that are illustrated like badly. like yes, you just and now AI is starting to like illustrate kids' books and but... oh, I can't handle it. So that's why I took over on this one. I was like, I'm gonna figure it out yeah. so I can have the quality that I want. So I do love it. I am happy. I'm like, Getting to the point where I'm accepting it, and yeah I know it, like it's, owning it it is so
0: hard though when you create something like it's so easy to be so critical, so no, I totally feel that, okay, so speaking of your books in general, there's definitely a theme of mental health with children, which I love so much because it's so funny, I feel like every single generation of parenting it's almost like we all accept kind of like a new mission, like our parents hopefully did it better than their parents and their parents. And so I feel like something that wasn't necessarily front and center of our upbringing, but is front and center of parenting our children is mental and emotional health. And that took a lot of learning on my part to be able to like, right, to be able to like foster healthy, mental states and emotional states with my kids. So what really brought this about
1: having this focus of mental health for kids in all yeah. your books. Okay, I'll preface it by saying I'm not a mental health expert. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a counselor or psychiatrist or anything, but I do from my own journey, I feel like exactly what you've said. I have learned so much and it's been a part of my healing journey. And so it naturally overflowed into Mm. how I want to parent. And I think you're right. I think we take, every generation takes the things that we wish we had as kids and we focus in on that probably... too much. The pendulum is probably always swinging way too far. So I'm sure my kids, when they have kids, they're going to say, I'm not going to focus on the emotions. (laughs) I'm sure it will go right back over But hopefully not. Hopefully they're gleaning something from this. But yeah, my first book, which I published probably five years ago, came out of my own journey of mental health, which was really mixed in with my journey of physical healing. And there's a place for all of it in our healing journeys. And so for me, while I was healing a lot of physical stuff, a lot of autoimmune stuff, the mental aspect just fit right in with it. And I started to learn these concepts about being able to be at peace and not always in a state of fight or flight mode and right. not always in this high anxiety mode that I had really been in my whole life. And as I learned that it was around the same time that we started having kids. Yeah. So it was just a natural overflow. Like I said, I never meant even to be a writer or especially a kids' book writer, but that book, it just made sense because it was a concept. So my first book, Millie in the Warm Wind, it's about this idea of releasing our lies, the negative yes. self-talk, the script that is always playing in our brain, replacing it with powerful truth and living and believing in that truth. And that was something that I was learning and that My peers, my whole community was on this journey at that time of learning how to do this. And I had a one-year-old, a two-year-old, and I'm like, I'm not going to wait till she's 30 to replace everything she believed growing up. Because that's something that I learned at the time, the way that our brains work is those first few years, five to 10 years is I teach it to kids with Play-Doh. If you take a ball of Play-Doh and you roll a car over it, it makes those tracks from the wheel. And that's what our brain does. And it solidifies those tracks in our first few years of life. And I call them like the scripts that we're going to say to ourselves. And so you get a few built into your brain and then our brains are really lazy, actually. And then they spend the rest of our lives replaying those scripts. And unfortunately, they're usually negative. I think it was Kurt Thompson. He's a psychiatrist, he's an expert in neurobiology. And he said, it takes us three seconds to assimilate to absorb shame or negativity. But it takes 30 seconds to absorb a compliment. I don't know the reasoning behind that. It's horrible. It's just a flaw in our (laughs) brain. But knowing that truth, it makes it so clear that, okay, our brains are filled with these tracks of Mm. negativity. We hear one bad thing and it becomes that track early on in life. And then we spend our life responding with, I'm dumb, I'm not good enough. right? All these lies of negativity that... At the time, I started learning how to replace them, how we can actually rewire our brains. And that's even a newer thought that our brains can change, this idea of neuroplasticity, that they're not set in stone. And I always, when I have the Play-Doh, I have the kids reform it and you can get rid of the lines and then you can get the car and you can start a new track. And so showing that we can replace the lies with truth So yeah, so I'm like all of us in our 20s and 30s that are going back now to our early childhood memories and finding, digging out where did these lies come from? Where did we start believing this? What truth are we going to replace it with? I was like, man, I don't want my kids to have to get to this point. What if they grow up learning how to get rid of the lies when they first receive them, when they first hear them. And then maybe yeah. they won't be sitting in their thirties, spending time meditating, trying to find yeah <laughs> lies and replace them with truth. So yeah, that's where that book came from. I said, it's an easy enough concept to teach to a kid, but let's make mm-hmm. it fun. Let's make it something that they'll enjoy learning. And even though it's a kid's book, I think it's probably spoken to adults equally oh, or more powerfully. For sure.
0: I remember... I got Millie and the Warm Wind, and we're reading it, and I'm like sobbing. It's so funny to me because I'm 33. And it cracks me up when my kids don't like I'll be sobbing like I can't watch up like the scene where there's no words There's just music and the woman loses her baby and it's not super clear But i'm holding owen Sobbing and my kids just look at me like why is my mom insane? But that was me and millie in the warm wind. They were like, why are you crying? It's not a sad story. I'm like, it's just so beautiful So yeah, I feel like our kids are like overwhelmed by our emotions But yeah, i'm sure it has spoken to adults equally if not more than to kids for sure. And that's
1: my goal is I love kids books and same with movies. I think they do speak to us on such a different level than they speak to kids and I've been the same. I've read books to my kids and just sob 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 and my kids are like oh my gosh mom. But it hits us it just strikes a chord differently cuz we've lived it and we understand the message and I feel like it's such a more beautiful and gentler way to receive a message. And so I would so much rather sit and read something like this than go to a training or a seminar. I receive it better this way. And I love being able to provide that for parents, for kids too, but really, especially for parents that are similar to me that are going to sit and read it and be like, Oh my gosh, I get it. Oh my gosh, for sure. So many things. It's so interesting because you mentioned neuroplasticity,
0: the ability for our brains to get out of those ruts and form new neural pathways. And it's so interesting to me because I actually was reading something recently And it was in a book and it said neuroplasticity and it was from like a Christian lens. And it said neuroplasticity, comma, which Paul refers to as the renewal of your mind. So in Romans 12, 2, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. So that's so bizarre to me that I have never thought about really what does this renewal of the mind mean? what does that mean, right? When Paul says it, and I do think that it comes down to negative self-talk, which is all what Millie and the Warm Wind is all about. But also too, it can even be forgiveness, right? It mm-hmm. can be letting go of that shame that you are mentioning. It can be all different kinds of things that honestly just really gunk up our minds. Right.
1: So it's definitely... A huge part of the process is that idea of releasing. Yeah. And let's see, you know, the book, The Body Keeps the Score. Yes. So, so good. I think of that. It's a case study of trauma and how we hold right. trauma physically in our bodies. And mm-hmm. they talk about the importance of this cycle, that if you're able to recognize the threat, respond to the threat, and then be returned to a place of rest, then you've completed the cycle and you're not going to get stuck in fight or flight mode. You're not going to be stuck in the alarm mode. And I think of that with this same thing with our identities and with the lies and the truth, you don't spend your life trying to avoid hearing the lies or Mm. having negative self-talk. You have to become aware of it. And then you have to recognize the threat or recognize that it is a lie. It's not a truth. Mm. It might be something you said to yourself or something someone said to you, but you recognize that it's not truth. And then you respond by releasing it. And so maybe it's Mm. forgiveness. Maybe it's just like in my book, she sends it away in a little balloon. And so So I've done that with my kids. We've gone and we've bought balloons before and they can whisper their lies, and we send it away. Or they have little balloons that they take to school with them on their backpack, or something that helps their brain remember. Okay, I have to release it somehow. Yep. We've done it. I remember when Bradley, my middle child, was younger. We were just driving in the car one day, and I said, "They don't like. Hey, how was school? Tell me, has anything bad happened? They don't like yeah. that type. So I just said, "Hey, let's be fish on the way to school today, and let's take a deep fish breath." And then pretend we're blowing it out like a bubble. And she said, okay, this is fun. So we started doing that. And then I said, okay, in the next bubble, if you have any sadness or anything bad that's happened at school or at home recently, you can blow it out in the next bubble. Right. And then instantly she started telling me a story about something bad that had happened at school that someone said to her. And if I had just said, tell me about school, tell me what's going on. She wouldn't have told it to me, but Mm. we were doing it in this fun play, and that was a fun way for her to release it. So I'm always trying to think of like those ways to release it because that's such a big part of the process that we don't realize. And so, of course, finishing the cycle is replacing the lie Mm. with truth. And so you have to spend a little bit of time contemplating, meditating, praying, however, you want to receive the truth. And then that's what forms the new pathway in your brain is saying it over and over again to fill in where the lie was, fill it with the truth. No, that is
0: so fantastic. And it's interesting because I'm thinking about different pieces of this puzzle, right? Like maybe when you're saying repeat this new truth over and over, that's the definition of a mantra, right? And so you think of these moms who are telling their children, I am strong, I am strong, I am strong. Okay, that's great. And that can't be a bad thing. But what I love that you are really helping us identify is the whole process, right? So it's not necessarily just the mantra, right? Like the mantra can be beneficial, but it's recognizing that bad thing or that lie, lie, right? It's letting that lie completely go, but then it's also replacing it with the truth. So it's a whole cycle and it's not just thinking about the lie. It's not just letting it go. It's also filling it with something positive. And that's how those new neural pathways are created. Oh my gosh, I love this so much. And it's funny because I was actually writing my book yesterday. I think that you were the first person who we did Rosebud Thorn with. And when you were saying like, Bradley would not have just come out and told me this bad thing, but because we were playing a game and I was thinking about this yesterday, as I was writing this game, Rosebud Thorn, which you say, a good thing that happened today is your rose. A bad thing is a thorn and a bud is something you're looking forward to. And that is some of the only times that we really hear about the bad things because I'm an Enneagram seven. I am like rainbows and butterflies and sunshine all the time. And so I'm not like, Hey, anything bad going on in your life? That's just not what I tend to focus on. And so that is one of the places that we, that we hear like, sometimes Ella will cry and say, someone called me short today or asked me if I was in kindergarten and I'm in third grade. And she wouldn't have shared that otherwise. She would have kept that inside. But what I'm hearing from you too, is it would be fun with those thorns to like really complete the process. But also too, another time that one question I've learned to ask Ella is if the other day we were talking about... I don't know. We were talking about, do you want to go? Oh, she was having a spend the night party and she was having some allergy things. Like we're working on her health and healing. And I was like, okay, well, they have a dog. You're breaking out and having hives right now. I don't know. That would be the best environment for you. Let's have a sleep over here. And her reaction just didn't match the incident. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. That's like sad. You wanted to go there, but she was just like so upset. And so one question that I will ask specifically her a lot is like, is this actually what you're upset about? Or is there something else going on? Is there something else you're upset about? And if I ask that question, she will break down. She started crying and she was like, I am so sad that our friend's foster baby went home. And we had known this baby for two years and we were so close to her. And it occurred to me, like, I've been helping my friend deal with that, but I hadn't specifically said, let's talk about this. Are you sad about this? So sometimes asking just that question, is something else really going on? Because this happens in like your marriage. You're like, you're fighting about the broccoli. It's usually not the thing. (laughs) It's not the broccoli. And so being able to ask our kids like, is that really what you're upset about or not can be a good way to like really get to the root of what's going on okay we got to talk about your other books so million the warm wind was your first book but your latest books we had Clayton's wings do we want to dive into that or do you oh, want to go straight
1: that was just a that was a covid it happened really quickly i wanted my kids to be able to process what yeah. was going on, but who could really process it. We're all still processing. And it. it's been right. years. oh my gosh, but for sure. Yeah. That was a fun that was a fun book just focusing in on the importance of community during a time when we were being told you can't have community and stay inside. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a fun little COVID help the kids process COVID. Probably still highly important because right. I think we're gonna be processing it for years. But yeah, just it was so good.
0: Yeah. So good so during a time when we were all stuck inside. That's the concept. And yeah, we definitely read it over and we're like, it's so <laughs> sad that we're all it inside. Is. I
1: will say it's my kid's favorite book, probably because it's not focused on deep emotions and it's just, it's yeah. fun. It does have the deeper message of community and yeah. the importance of that. But for my kids, it's just a fun Book about a bird. <laughs>
0: exactly. No, totally. Okay. And then your latest book is Penelope's Wildflowers, which I was going to say it's my favorite, but I feel like it's hard for me to choose between Million the Warm Wind <laughs> and Penelope's Wildflowers. But talk to us about that one. And yeah, talk to us about what it's about and really also to like the deeper meaning.
1: Okay. So that book, I think the idea started five, more than five years ago. This has yeah. been a long, work for me. So when I was pregnant with Oaken, that was a really hard pregnancy for me. I had before him, I had miscarried Mm -hmm. and then found myself pregnant a few months later with him, but I wasn't expecting the fear that was going to come with Mm -hmm. pregnancy after miscarriage. right? And it hit me so So hard. And every day I thought, Mm. today's the day that I'm going to lose this baby. And I never gave myself permission to be excited. We didn't tell people about the pregnancy for weeks and weeks. And I never had the joy. I was very sick, also. I was probably the most sick with him, but I think the fear and the anxiety contributed to the sickness. And so by the time I got to the end of the pregnancy, it was time for him to come in those last few days, you're just convinced that you're going to be pregnant forever. Forever. Yeah, you're certain of it, right? Yeah. And that's how I was feeling. And I was reading the Ina May Gaskin book, which is the best of all birthing books. And I remember reading this concept of you can actually prevent your body from from going into labor Mm. if you're holding on to stress or fear or anxiety or whatever you're holding on to. And I was like, I think I'm doing that. I think that's why I'm not having my baby yet. And so I gave myself just a full day. I was like, I am just going to be in this. I'm going to dive into this and sort through this, do my nilly process, figure out where my lies are, just get everything sorted out. And so it was a big day of just deep, contemplation, meditation, prayer, all this stuff. And that is when I had this whole picture. This is where Penelope's wildflowers first was born. I got this picture and it was me in a field with wildflowers and I was loving them and they were perfect and we were having fun together. And you know, seeing the connection like, oh, these are like my kids and I love Mm -hmm. my kids so much and they're the best and they've brightened my life and they're everything for me. But then I started seeing the worries. What if they get knocked over by the rain or the wind? What if the sun is too hot for them? And all of our what ifs as parents, it's the most endless list that plays in my brain. Anyways, I'm sure other moms are similar, but it's always the what ifs and how can I navigate my life so I'm protecting them from this potential thing or this potential thing? And in the picture with the wildflowers, I pick them all up out of the ground and put them in a bag and I'm carrying it around and I'm like, I'm protecting them from all the bad things, (laughs) but they start to wilt and they start to die and it gets really heavy and I'm like falling over because they're really heavy now. And then I'm carrying this burden that isn't meant to be carried this way. And I sit down, and then there's in the story, there's this character, the gardener, who Penelope, or me in this case, yeah. encounters. And the gardener says, What on earth are you doing carrying these around? And she says, I'm protecting them. Mm-hmm. And the gardener says, That's not what they're supposed to be. Yeah. They, you don't protect them from the wind or the rain or the sun. And so the gardener helps her put them back and nestle them back into the earth. And I remember visually going through this in my mind thinking, okay, yeah, when I'm carrying them on my back, I'm not watching them have this amazing life. Mm. I'm missing out on my kid's life. I'm missing out on participating in their life because I'm so focused on the what ifs and protecting them from these potential things, protecting myself from potential hurt And Penelope talks to the gardener and the gardener says, I'm happy to help you. This is my job. I'm the gardener. And Penelope says, but what's my job? What do I do? And the gardener says, you watch them grow. And so Mm. you were talking earlier about mantras. And that day that became my mantra. And I said, I've missed out on The joys of this pregnancy, I've missed out on Mm. everything that this pregnancy could have been, but I haven't missed out on my kids' lives. It's not too late to watch them grow and to set aside these what ifs and these fears and these anxieties and be present Mm. in their lives right now or in this pregnancy, however many days I've left of this pregnancy. (laughs) So that became my mantra, watch them Mm. grow. And every time I find myself sort of sinking back into the cycle of what if I can say, watch them grow. And it's my reminder Mm. that being present is the way to combat that cycle of living in the what if. And if you've ever read or listened to any of Brene Brown, you'll know her concept of this. It's called foreboding joy. Yeah. I didn't even realize when I was writing the book, that's what I was writing. It's this concept of we're happy, we're living an amazing life, but something good is going. But a little voice in the back of our head is saying, don't enjoy it all the way. Because right. what if it ends? What if something bad happens? And it's this balance of holding on to our happiness while waiting for the other shoe to drop? When's mm-hmm. it going to go away? And we want to be, we're like, ready for it. You know, if we think of the worst thing that's going to happen, then we're yeah. prepared for it. And it's not true. We're not prepared, actually, no matter how much we yes. think of it, yes. all it's doing is stealing away that mm. moment of joy. And so that for me, and I know for a lot of people, that idea of foreboding joy has been so prevalent in my life. And I, I, mm don't allow myself to experience the moment of joy fully, because I'm always a little on guard, a little waiting for what's the bad thing that's going to happen. And so for me, this book is my reminder that we can experience joy, we can be fully present, we don't have to be living in the future what ifs that aren't even real that haven't happened yet. And it can be it's even though for me, the story is really about motherhood and parenting. It can be just anything. And yeah. So we live in Alaska. Moose and bears are a real danger here. Yeah. And <laughs> um, I mean, a very seriously. real danger. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. rain. So my oldest rain was she was charged by a moose a few years right. ago. Mm-hmm. I she remember was fine. this. She was physically fine, mentally not fine. Yeah. And so her fear of moose, which is a healthy fear, but hers has gotten out of control. Yes. She's yeah. very scared. And so we were hiking recently and a hiker came out of the path one way and said, oh, just so you know, there's a moose up here, which is so common. There are moose yeah. everywhere, everywhere, but rain just start sobbing and screaming. And she was like, I'm going back to the car. We're not doing this. And I was like, Rain, we're just going to go the other way. Like, it's fine. And she just couldn't handle it, could not handle it. And I was just like, okay. I was like, Rain, we're going to get your mantra because you, Mm. your fear of moose, your fear of what if I get charged? What if I get trampled? What if I get stomped on and killed is overtaking your life and you're missing Mm. out on everything. You're missing out on playing (laughs) with your friends in the front yard. You're not even able to leave the house because of this fear. And so I said, we have to work on finding your mantra because you deserve to go outside and have fun and have a childhood where you're not always living in this fear. What if there's a moose? What if it attacks me? Yeah. So, so, I feel like even though for me it was a story about parenthood and motherhood, it's really just what are we missing out on when mm. we let the what ifs take over? Man, that's
0: so good. And, Yeah, what are we missing out on? And I think of so many stories that I've heard over the years, like through Instagram followers or things. And I'm thinking of like the mom who won't go swimming because of her body shame and things like that. And it's who the heck cares? Get in the pool, wear your one piece. I don't care. Wear like a long sleeve... (laughs) long scuba suit, if that makes you feel better. But it can be a million different things. And it's funny, Jenna, because I feel like I don't tend personally to do the worst case like all the time. Like I definitely have friends, especially like Enneagram six friends who are always there. Like it's always the worst. Yeah. (laughs) It's always the worst case feeling prepared. And it's funny because when you said we're not actually prepared for the shooter drop. Like when we get in the cycle, <laughs> we're not actually prepared. And it was funny because my brain went, Oh yeah, that's true. And I've never thought about that. Like my brain just hit, right. had this, like that. I just heard a truth that I've never accepted as true before. I just had right. this like spark in my brain. And it's like, We do that because we think we're prepared. But when you said we're not actually prepared, it's okay. That is true. And that actually makes it easier for me to stop those cycles of, let me do the worst case so that I'm prepared. It's like, okay, no, it's it's not even helping. It's not even beneficial. Yeah. So thank you for that. I
1: remember reading that. It was in Brene Brown's, one of her books or TED Talks or something. Mm. And I remember having that same revelation of like, they actually... (sighs) Studied this and found oh. that people, let's say it's the death of a loved one, no matter how much they thought about it or supposedly prepared, when it happens, your brain still reacts the exact same way as if you weren't prepared. And my, I will say, my mother in law taught me probably one of my most valuable lessons in all of life on this. And she calls it grace for the place. And she says, when you're thinking, when you're projecting those what ifs, Mm. they're in the future. So they're untrue. They're alive, whether they happen eventually or not, they're alive when you're projecting them because they're not the truth. They're not the current reality. And even if they were to happen, then they would become present and they would be true and you would have the grace with you to handle it. If you believe in God, you would have God's love with you or your own peace of mind or whatever it is to handle it. And it's so different than projecting it. And so Mm. your fear and your emotions connected to it are going to be a lot higher when you're projecting it into the future Mm. than they would be when you have the grace for the place to be living it out in reality.
0: That's so good. That's so good. And it's funny because I'm acting, this happens all the time, but I'm like learning this currently. And like, I've had so many friends with like children with medical things recently. And this is me too. Like Ella's been healing her gut stuff and whatever, and height issues and all these different things. And I had a friend say to me, don't worry until they tell you to worry, until they give you something substantial to worry about. And not that we should ever worry, but it's similar to what you're saying. Don't have fear of that projected thing, that possible thing in the future. What the heck is the point of that? It's not here. It's not now. You don't actually have to deal with that thing right now. Right. And even if you will need to in the future, okay, fine, so be it. But there's no point. And worrying about it now or freaking out about it now. That's so good. Man, so many things for kids and also adults. I love it so much. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing these beautiful books with us. Question number one about your books: where is the best place if people want to get them to get your beautiful books?
1: So I publish all, I do all the publishing and printing and distributing all on my own. So they are. nowhere, but my website, not on Amazon, not even in any, they're in a few stores here. So if you live in Alaska, there's <laughs> some stores, but yeah, my website, jwinship.com is where you can get Melly in the Warm Wind and you can even pre-order Penelope's Wildflowers right Yay! now.
0: So exciting. And when does Penelope's Wildflowers officially come out?
1: So I have... On my website, it says if you pre-order it, you will receive it. It will be shipped by September 1st. I'm Yay. hoping I'm hoping it's going to be before that, yeah. but th- just to be safe, that's yeah. the date that I have it set by Not right as now.
0: Awesome. Perfect. Okay. And then let me ask you the question I ask everybody. So when you're at the end of your life and you're looking back, what does a successful life look like to you?
1: So I think it looks like being fully present with my family and enjoying every moment.
0: Yeah, I love it so much, which is a hard task, but I know you're already working towards that. (laughs) Yes, I love it so much. Thank you so much for being here, and hopefully we will talk to you again soon. Thank you, Caroline. Jenna, thank you so much for chatting today. It was so, so fun to chat with you. Listeners, I hope that you learned some things through this conversation. I know that the revelation that I had that worrying doesn't actually prepare you for the future is just A quick mindset change that is going to significantly impact my life. So I hope that you had the same revelation and these books y'all are amazing. So please head to jwindship.com to get Penelope's Wildflowers. You can pre-order that one, Millie and the Warm Wind and Clayton's Wings. I promise you and your children will love these books. So thank you so much for listening and I will see you next week.